You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. It's getting kind of dark out there, so got to do Packernet After Dark. I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, let's get to the phone lines. Thank you guys, by the way. I didn't even have to beg and plead for callers. I kind of came back and wasn't sure how this would go. And uh, people still called. So it's good to come back and see that there wasn't just one phone call and have to be like, well, <laughs> you better get calling if you want to have a show today. Um, let's make sure I didn't miss anybody, first of all. Last call was the Xbox thing, which I addressed. So let's kick it off, man. Let's get her started. Hello, Ryan. This is caller number five once again. Hi. I just had a question. What do you think the keys to victory are when we take on the Vikings? I really want to start 1-0. Uh, I think that it is going to be important to start today um, a lead on the game, and then we can get them with our ferocious pass rush. We can't let them get Justin Jefferson 200 yards and three touchdowns. Anyway, what are your keys to victory? Thank you. Once again, I didn't listen because I was trying to figure that out. Um, I know that's some kind of like, is, is that Nordic? I can't get Holland out of my head, which is not Nordic, but for some reason it's either Nordic or, or <laughs> Hollander? Hollandaise? I don't know. Could be Swedish? I don't know. Oh, it's Dutch. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> like, why, why can't I think of what it is? Hollandans? No, Dutch, you idiot. No, it's not Dutch. Dutch is basically German. Uh, all right, yeah, we'll go. We'll go with Swedish. Anyways, I've never even attempted that. So uh, kudos for giving me something to kill all of my time with. Um, attempting that. Also, I went on YouTube to try to listen to different things, and Swedish sounds more similar to whatever you did. Although I kind of forgot what it sounded like that you did. But also listening to a Dutch accent is like, dude, that's pretty dope. I kind of want to do that. Anyways, back to your question that I didn't really listen to. Um, keys to victory. When we take home the Vikings, I really want to start to want to know. I think that it is going to be in Portland to start today. A lead on the game, and then we can get them with her ferocious. We can't just let them get Justin Jefferson, 200 yards and three touchdowns. Anyway, what are your keys to the tree? Thank you. Thanks again to Google Transcription for um, helping me out with that. I'm going to assume you're talking about keys to the game against the Minnesota Vikings, which is tough because I'm not supposed to be doing homework, but I'm so far out of the loop. <laughs> I got to at least take a gander here um, at what we're dealing with. I mean, it, it's really odd because there was a time when, you know, five minutes ago, a little longer than that, but not very long ago, when the strength of the Vikings was their defense and the strength of the Packers was the offense. And so that was the matchup. Right now, 
the main matchup is essentially a, again, on paper, powerhouse Vikings offense against a lockdown Packers defense. Um, the Packers or the Vikings offensive line is greatly improved. Not elite, not like, you know, one of the more dominant, but they don't really have a problem anywhere except at center, which is an issue. And, and I don't know about rookie Ingram at right guard, but it, uh, probably an upgrade either way because that dude was trash. But again, Kirk Cousins, uh, I don't know about Irv Smith if he's still injured, but I think he might surprise some people. Um, Dalvin Cook, I don't know exactly what he's going to be, but they're not going to rely on him as much. They brought in Jalen Rager to go along with Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. And so this is the offense. Unfortunately for the Minnesota Vikings, this promising looking offense, which to be fair is very similar to the offense they had last year when the team wasn't super great, but still promising offense has to go up against a much improved Packers defense. Oh, it's the same Packers defense. No, in fact, it's not. Jair Alexander was out. Jaron Reed was not a part of the team. Uh, Quay Walker was not a part of the team. Having Alexander Stokes and Brazil on the field at the same time in general is going to be a brand new thing. Hopefully a healthy Amos and Savage. Got Devontae Wyatt that we added. This is not the same defense. And so that's the thing that gives me the, the most excitement. Jair Alexander probably is primarily going to be on Justin Jefferson. Um, not that he's necessarily going to shadow him, but that, that is our lockdown corner and Jefferson is the biggest guy to be concerned with. Uh, Razul should have a pretty solid day against KJ Osborne. No disrespect to the guy. He seems to be doing a decent job, but, um, although I don't know exactly what's going on with Jalen Rager, if he's going to be out there and what his role is going to be. I can't imagine it's a slot, but again, I'm not doing that. I'm on a homework right now. So I like the matchup for the, for the Packers defense. Again, if for no other reason than as scary as the Vikings offense may look, it's the same offense they've had for a very long time. Derrissaw, Cleveland, Bradbury, O'Neal, Thielen, Jefferson, Cousins, Cook. It's the same guys. And the fact that they changed their offense has as much negative connotation as it does positive connotation. Well, they were being held back by this old running blah, blah, blah. Fine, but this offense was built for that. So you want to air it out now with Kirk Cousins, who is the number one play-action quarterback in all of football, and you take play-action away from him, and you put him in shotgun, and you make him throw to a spread-out offense. I don't know for sure that that makes things better. But, you know, you can assume that if you choose to. On the flip side of things, you have a toned-down Packers offense and a toned-down Vikings defense so that it's not exactly what it used to be, but I still really like where we're at. Now, a lot of this depends on our tackles because they have Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith. I like Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith against Jenkins and Bakhtiari. I like our, you know, our guys there. The interior that they have doesn't necessarily scare me a ton. They've got some guys, but I don't know that they have a lot of pass rushers left. It, it's, it's a decent enough group. But again, I still wonder about how this works when you have this 4-3 defense that is now running 3. Now, again, you brought in Zadarius Smith. You did bring in Harrison Phillips, but he comes from a 4-3 defense as well. So that doesn't really help that. You brought in Ras- Ross Blacklock. He's been horrible. So, you know, we'll see. The, the defensive front could be something. But the DBs don't really scare me. I shouldn't say DBs. The corners don't really scare me. Patrick Peterson is over the hill. They do have Chandon Sullivan, you know. I mean, he's a decent enough player. Cam Dantzler's solid enough. But I like the guys that we have. The question is, the big question I have is, is our best group Lazard, Cobb, and Watkins? And how much are we going to be rotating these other guys? Because it's easy enough for a team to say, okay, here's how our three guys are going to compare, or are, are going to prepare for your three guys. But if you're Patrick Peterson and you not only have to prepare for Lazard and Watkins – but you got to prepare for everybody else as well. And on top of having to prepare for Amari, and by the way, you don't know how much any of these guys are going to be utilized for. Can you imagine 
coming out and expecting Lazard and Watkins, and the first thing that happens is Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs are starting out there. I don't think that'll happen, but how much does that suck for the entire Vikings defense to look at that and go, oh, crap, we've been wrong for a long time about what we thought was going to happen here. And you got like, uh, you know, the pony package, which is becoming a popular thing, but with, you know, Aaron Jones and Amari in the backfield. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't even have to start that way. If it just happens to be a more prominent thing than they expected, and, and even if they expect it, the fact that you have to prepare for all of it, not just for the Vikings, but for everybody makes it harder. We have to prepare for two, three, maybe four wide receivers. And basically it's two guys that are the main guys that you have to worry about. That's not the case here. Just as far as receiving, you have the at least a couple tight ends. Tunyon could be, just look at the guys that could be number one receivers for the team. Watkins, Lazard, Dobbs, Watson, Tunyon, Jones, potentially Dylan. And, and, and I'm not saying necessarily for the season, but on a game-to-game basis, absolutely any of those guys could be featured. So honestly, if you're talking keys, if I could pick one thing to do in sort of a broad sweeping category is to take away their wide receivers. Take away Jefferson and Thielen and we got it. We got it wrapped up. I don't trust their defense to be able to stop the Packers offense consistently enough, especially with, and and again, I don't expect the rookies to come out early on because they don't want to get to a slow start. So get the guys that have been there and done that and know what they're doing out there first. But Rodgers and Jones and Dylan and Tunyon and Watkins and Lazard and Cobb, I don't think they're going to be able to do enough consistently if we can stop their passing attack which is what they want to focus on i think we got it wrapped up but anyways good start that uh i need to start shifting my focus a little bit that was that was my first attempt we'll we'll get a little bit more granular as time goes on hey uh ryan yes sir yeah hey what's up Um, man how are you i'm good how are you yeah i'm good good Um, i learned i was just calling to ask another question Okay. Um, well, I, I have twins that are six years old. Okay. And they're going to go to uh, first grade. And I was wondering if I should give them a Red Bull in the morning before they go so they can be, uh, you know, uh, alive and full of life for their first day of school. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Bye. Yeah, so... F- Full of life is probably not how the principal is going to describe it to you, um, but it is it, that is an option. Red Bull, coffee, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I know they're they're pretty groggy in the morning and whatnot. And you don't you don't want them to go to school and just not have that chipper attitude. I I fully understand, but they're they're kids, so you know once once they get going, that that energy will hit them. You know, they'll they'll find it. They just have stores of it hidden away. And so while they're groggy in the morning, a certain point in the day hits and they just start digging into those reserves and they start bouncing off the walls. So I think they'll be okay without a Red Bull, unlike you and I, um, which that gets to be a challenge to not have Red Bull, Monster, coffee, whatever. I'll say this also, and I'm sure I don't have to explain this um, too much because you understand having twin six-year-olds, but I don't know that you want your kids to uh, be on Red Bull, you know? I mean, there might be some effects after the fact, like when they come home, although maybe they're crashing at that point, which would be perfect. You make them put their teachers through, you know, a torturous experience, but then 
on the positive side, when they come home, they're tired and they just want to go to bed. And so all you know is you send off your kids who are, they get that jolt of Red Bull and are like, hey, thanks, dad. You're like, you're welcome, children. And then when you pick them up, they're like, dad, I want to go to bed. And you're like, all right, if that's what you want, kiddo, I'm here for you. And you put them to bed. That might, you might be a genius. I'm not sure. I'm going to stick with no. But if you wanted to try it, if you could report back on how it's going, that'd be great. Um, so, yeah. What is up? What up? If you were going to do the 53-man roster solely based on... By the way, um, s- these calls so far are from Tuesday still. So I don't know where he's going with this, but it may be something that's a little behind. But we'll see if we can answer it. The guys that you think deserve to be there, all right? That works. Take into account what you think, you know. uh, Still a little biased because I know the answer to the test, but, you know, I'll be honest. Goody would do with his tendencies. Obviously, at this point, you already know basically what the roster is. But I want to hear what the Ryan Schlipp 53-man roster would be based on the merit that you have seen. Um, is this quiet, by the way? We, is this all, are we all the way, we're almost all the way up. Sorry for the bedding, but we got that back up. Um, all right, so what would my 53 be based on? And it, it's tough, and again, I'm getting into vocabulary, I guess, but what do we mean by merit? Because, um, it's possible, for example, just looking at the Winfrey Ture thing. I don't even know, just looking at those two, what my answer would be. I mean, um, who's been better in camp between the two? Has it been Ture? Do we know that for sure? It's hard to say because I would assume Winfrey's been much better in terms of doing the right things at the right time, whereas Ture hasn't. Can I take experience into account? Even if Ture has been a more dynamic and impressive route runner and receiver and whatnot as far as running routes and doing cool stuff. But, I mean, I I can't do a full 53, but let's just say we're basing it on, like, who's been the best in camp so far this year, just to be as specific as possible with our language so that I don't have to hem and haw forever. Um, Again, I can't do a full 53. That would take entirely too much time, and nobody even would want to listen to that. But we would go Ture over Winfrey, I would say. I think... I don't know. I'd have to look at training camp notes, but I would think Ture has a slight edge over Winfrey. Um, statistically, Win- uh, Winfrey had less yards in the preseason. Uh, looking at PFF, it was close, 60 overall grade compared to 65, but uh, Ture had the better grade overall. So by most metrics, not by a wide margin, but uh, Ture would have the edge there for sure. Offensive line, uh, Caleb Jones and Rasheed Walker would be on the list. I think Caleb Jones would be ahead of Rasheed Walker just because he's done, I think, more and more consistently. But they would definitely be on. Sean Ryan would not. Um, again, we're, we're, we're just kind of throwing all caution to the wind here. Uh, I'm not saying that was the right or wrong thing, but he just has not earned that spot based on anything he's done up to this point. Uh, Tyler Goodson would have been the clear uh, running back. Tyler Davis would not be on the team. Looking at, uh, let's see, defensive tackle. I mean, I, I'm not going to start getting rid of starters or anything. See, and this is where it gets weird, too, because I, I got rid of um, Sean Ryan. Does that mean I have to get rid of Devontae Wyatt, too? I mean, he hasn't earned a spot. But then you can look to upside and potential and say, I think he 
certainly can help, whereas I don't expect Sean Ryan to take a single snap this entire year. You're kind of talking about maybe next year or the year after being a potential starter. So I don't know. I, I don't know what to do about that exactly. But as far as that last spot, who would get it between, if anyone, Heflin, Ford, or whatever, the answer would be we'd be going with five. Because the defensive tackles have been the absolute worst group through preseason. Not there, There isn't a close second with that. They've all been horrific. So Heflin doesn't get a job. Ford doesn't get a job. Byers doesn't get a job. Wyatt doesn't get a job. Um, I mean, Slayton with a Y doesn't get a job. Wyatt, I don't know. Who cares? You, you can sort that out. Um, outside linebackers. That's pretty tough because I, I really like all of them. I, I, I've been vocal about Hamilton being the better guy PFF for defense and special teams, but I really like Tipa. Uh, I like what he's done all through training camp. Every time I've watched him, I've liked him. Um, I feel comfortable with Garvin. I always kind of have. I mean, he's not, you know, he's never going to be an elite player, but as far as sort of a rotational guy that comes in, you, there's a, at least for me, a relative comfort level. Um, Kobe Jones also probably would have made it. Again, I don't really know in terms of how much stock to put in that or, you know, if I would have put him on there, even based on production, because we're talking preseason and all that. I, I don't really expect that to translate 100%. But again, if we're just going based on how he looked, especially later on in camp and in the preseason, I thought he looked great. Um, inside, McDuffie for sure. He was solid the whole time. Uh, Ray Wilborn, I actually think, did a great job on special teams. He probably would have made it. Chris Barnes, I don't know that he did much, but based on what he does as a special teamer, would have been there. Uh, Ty Summers, no. And Ellis Brooks, no. Corners, Shamar, I really liked what he did. Um, Keyshawn Nixon, I like. Keandre Thomas, I thought, did a great job. Rico Gafford did not. So I I more or less would have had a very similar um, 53 to that. And then, um, oh, and Dante Vaughn also didn't, and KB Nento didn't, and I wouldn't have had any of them. Safeties is where I would have probably departed from everything. Sean Davis, I was not a massive fan. Um, Tree Carpenter, for his special teams ability, would be on. I maybe would have had Innes Gaines. I don't think I would have had Dallin Levitt. I understand why he's there, and I understand he'll probably be a, a solid contributor for special teams. I just haven't seen it anywhere ever. I mean, he's got experience, no question, but just based on, again, what PFF has seen over his career, not a good special teamer or safety for that matter. So I don't know what my safeties would look like. It would be Savage, Amos, Tariq would be a special teamer, and probably Abernathy, I guess, would be the guy. That would be my four safeties, I think. Um, special teams, Pat O'Donnell didn't have any competition, so he would have won the job. Jack Coco, uh, would have gotten it pretty walking away. The question about kicker though, I mean, Amiz Ramiz, whatever, (sighs) just based on production, he didn't do anything wrong. How do I keep him off the list? When you don't miss a single kick, it's hard to be like, nah, scrap him. So I don't know. Um, and then as far as returners, I think Amari wins both of those jobs not that that's necessarily a roster spot but just I think he's he was the better returner of of all the guys so something like that I guess I mean it's not a a pure 53 but you know I think those guys earned it hey Ryan this is Packernet New York Yankee actually Yankee New Yorker backwards sorry about that Somers New York I am furious why did they cut Caleb Jones 
He was the second highest rated uh, lineman after yeah. the center, uh, Myers. So if Bakhtiari isn't able to play, which given his knee problem and his fluid in his knee, we might really need him at left tackle. You know what my prediction is? He ends up with Tampa Bay, and he's going to be blocking for uh, Botox Brady. So anyway, <laughs> this is, as I say, Yankee, New York, or so in New York, Bill. And oh, by the way, you sound like a lot like I told my brother. He's a Jet fan, a suffering Jet fan. You sound a lot like David Letterman. I don't know if anybody ever told you that. <laughs> anyway, have a good day. Thanks, man. Bye. That's hilarious. No, I've never heard that. Wow, that's awesome. That is uh, the weirdest and uh, nicest thing anyone's ever said. Not that he has a great voice or anything, but that's funny. I, I grew up watching Letterman. That was between the Letterman and Leno wars. We were a Letterman family. Um, not by choice, but that was what my parents liked, so that's what we watched. And I just sat there, pretended to get the jokes, although they were all well over my head. I didn't understand them. But <laughs> no, I can't. I, I there's no way I can't do his. What is his goofy laugh? Uh, sorry for even attempting that. It was just felt necessary. Um, I was just thinking as you said that though, it's funny. I, I can't get over every time you call how much you remind me of my grandpa. He's from Boston, but being from Wisconsin, the the nuance is subtle. But just the inflection and the way you say things and the tonality and the everything about it just. Even the sound of your voice is like, that sounds exactly like my grand, which is, you know, I think there's probably a similarity across the board because I listened to uh, that, that Irish mobster, I forget his name or whatever, but I, I remember listening to it, like his tapes in prison and stuff. And I was like, dang, that sounds a lot like my grandpa. And I told him that and I don't think he appreciated that very much because <laughs> he grew up in that neighborhood with that guy and was terrorized by him like everybody else. But anyways, so... <sighs> That, that is a scary thought, that he would get picked up off of our practice squad and, and producing for Brady. I, I think the, the biggest issue is he's raw. I think that's the reason where he is. What he is. I think that's the reason he was as far down the, the depth chart as he was. I mean, again, I can see the PFF grades like you can um, as far as how he graded out and everything, but I think the Packers were telling us, based on where he was on the depth chart, exactly what they thought. Um so, I mean, as much as it would make Packer fans upset if if we have Bakhtiari and Jenkins in there and Bakhtiari goes down, it's going to be Yash. I mean, not that they're upset about that, but that, that's the guy. If somebody else goes down, it's probably going to be Royce. If somebody else goes down, it's going to be Zach Tom. If somebody else goes down, it's going to be Rasheed Walker. If somebody else after that goes down, then we can start looking at Caleb Jones up from the practice squad. That's the reason. It's not because they didn't like him. And Aaron Rodgers even went out of his way to praise what a great job he did and uh, didn't necessarily say he belonged on there, but highlighted a few people that he felt were on the practice squad that um, are good enough to be on the 53 and, and should make themselves ready. And I, considering he highlighted him as one of those guys that um, had a great camp and um, they're happy they're able to stash, I, I think that might be one of the guys, but you know, he's, he's an undrafted free agent. He's young, he's raw, especially at, at his size. You know, you got to wonder if there's a little bit of extra training involved. And, you know, I, I just, I, I would be concerned about that, but um, yeah, I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't want to lose him, but I, I would be stunned if he ever were to take the field just because we have so many tackles. I mean, that was the reason I didn't think we'd even bother to keep Rashid, but like a lot of people were probably saying or thinking or whatever, I, I have to assume the reason he's there is because they were scared that he'd get picked up. They played him that final preseason game. He absolutely crushed it. And, and remember, with Rasheed Walker, a lot of people thought he was like an early, I mean, honestly, early to mid-round prospect, depending on who you ask. I had heard somebody, I don't know if this was a 
ridiculous thing or whatever, say that they thought he was potentially a second round prospect. So there are concerns and then there are things that forced him to fall. But I mean, if you got a guy that some teams are like at his best, he could be this, he could be really, really good, but I'm very concerned about this, that, or the other thing. And so he fell to the seventh and based on some teams probably took him entirely off their board. So the Packers didn't have a lot of competition, but if he kind of showed his upside in these preseason games to where teams are looking at that going, holy crap, like all our concerns that we, he wouldn't be able to do this, that, or the other in, in the NFL, he's doing it right before our eyes. Suddenly, he's a massive risk to be stolen. Uh, I mean, he, he obviously fell at some point, but you got to understand, as late as November 30th of last year, he was considered a first-round prospect. He was going in mock drafts in the first round um, all of last year up until the very end of November. And I know a lot of things change, but there are a lot of guys that are not that we we picked up that were never considered first round prospects. Chris Trapasso, back uh, about a little less than a year ago, had the Packers taking Rasheed Walker in the first round at pick twenty six last year. But even if you look at where he was ranked overall, I mean, going back to February, looking at the consensus rank, he was fiftieth. So a second round prospect, even at draft time, he was ranked one hundred and eighth. So what is that? Like fourth round? So he fell to the seventh. So you got a guy that the consensus view is that he should have gone in and around the range that Sean Ryan and Zach Tom did. So the fact that he might actually be as good as a guy like Zach Tom or Sean Ryan or whatever, isn't that unusual, at least to to the scouts or whatever that were watching. Obviously, the NFL had their concerns about the guy. But again, um, maybe the preseason kind of put some of those concerns on hold and there's a lot of teams watching going, you know, I'd be I'd be interested. On top of that, there are apparently a lot of teams that if they're going to sign somebody that got waived, it's probably going to be an offensive lineman because that's where a lot of teams are struggling. So, yes, that's a concern for for Caleb, but I don't think it's as much as it is for Rashid. So, I think for Caleb and Rashid, it's a matter of we don't need either of them on the 53. But we're a little concerned about Rashid. And for all I know, they're, they're going to end up waving him and put him on the practice squad later. I, I would doubt it, but I'm just saying, you know, if, if you're extra cautious or worried about losing him, you could try that just to get over that initial hump and let other teams kind of figure stuff out. And then as you elevate and drop and switch and do all this stuff, he can get moved around. Because again, we don't need him on the 53 at all. There's no need for it whatsoever. Considering you can elevate from the practice squad, he serves zero purpose other than to protect against being stolen. And, and again, to your point, with Caleb possibly being stolen, it's true, but do you want to stash another tackle, which would be, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. He would be tackle seven, I think. You need to stash your seventh tackle. How many guys are we going to kick off of our 53 so that we can have seven tackles on our roster because we're fa- afraid they're going to get stolen? Now, I, I think your point is he's actually quite a bit better than that, and he could be our tackle three and all that, and I get that. I'm just saying the Packers generally don't agree, and I think they've shown that based on the way that they've handled this whole situation. Um, Once again, I broke my own rule. Uh, We had somebody call in one, two, three, four, five times, and three of them was just dead air. So if I didn't get your first couple calls, that's my bad. Otherwise, I guess don't worry about it. Uh, But why don't we get to his first call that actually came through, and then we'll uh, take a break and get to the rest. How do you? This is Derek Trader. I'm from Texas, and I was just calling in, you know, 53-man roster uh, leveled out. Yep. So I was actually going to start with um, 
some TV shows you might want to watch. Here we go. Psych. I know someone already mentioned it. It's more of a comedy. It's really good, though. It has really good chemistry between the two main characters. And then also, I know you're not much into fantasy football anymore, but The League was a really funny show. had a lot of guest stars like J.J. Watt or Chad Ochocinco at the time. And Just pause for one second here. Um, first of all, Google says that you said your name was Der Trader, D-E-R-T-R-A-D-E-R. So that might just have to be your name from now on, um, which is awesome. It's a good one. I feel like Psych and the League are very similar in my mind. They're both shows that I'm pretty sure I've given a shot and didn't like them, but I don't know that for sure, so I'll, I'm at least willing to give it a second shot or possibly a first. I don't know, but I, I'm pretty sure I tried them and was like, eh, not for me. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Yeah. Anyways, so I was just curious what you thought about the 53-man roster. They chose Torre over Winfrey, and then some of the free eight, I guess, cuts that were picked up. I was curious how you thought about Alex Leatherwood going to the uh, to the Bears. Does that help their line a lot? I, I'm i guessing it does. Um, do you think the Packers should have tried to get him off waivers because of how Jenkins and Bakhtiari are still pending injuries? And then... Let's stop there because we got like a bunch mixed up and I don't want to lose any. Um, my thoughts on the 53 starting with um, Ture over Winfrey. I, I Again, my, my biggest thing is if Ture is the guy, I like it because it means that they're higher than I would expect because if he's not ready and they don't think he can contribute, especially as, as stacked as they are at wide receiver, they don't need another guy. Um, and so unless he's legitimately like, no, 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 he's, he's solid. He can line up and play in the NFL today and contribute today not like he's good enough that if we have injuries we can call him up and and trust that he won't suck too bad like we want him on the 53 right now because we want to give him opportunities in the regular season we want to bench some of our other guys and put Ture on the field because we like his skill set and and the the comment that I had made is I I think some people are going to underestimate the importance of that I think a lot of Packer fans are going to look at and go yeah obviously he was really good no that's not enough being pretty good in training camp and the preseason isn't enough to be like, well, you locked up a spot. You had like three good plays. Congratulations. You now win. There's, there is a big hurdle to get over to, to get to that spot, in my opinion. And so I think it says a lot about Samori Ture, and I think that's a very good thing. Um, some of the guys that were cut and picked up, like Alex Leatherwood for the Chicago Bears, does it help their line? I'm guessing it does. Do you think the Packers should have tried to get him because of Jenkins and whatnot? The last part, absolutely not. As I just got done saying with the last caller, we have so many tackles. And Alex Leatherwood up to this point is a bust offensive lineman. Doesn't mean that they can't turn him into something special. I don't know. But I just got done commenting on this not too long ago that it's funny how Bears fans will try to convince you that their offensive line is is looking pretty solid, but they keep bringing people in. And obviously it's not because they love their offensive line as it is. I'm telling you we don't need Alex Leatherwood because we don't need Alex Leatherwood. If Jenkins and Bakhtiari can't play, it's going to be probably Yash and, and Royce. And after that, we have Zach Tom. And after that, we have Rasheed Walker. And if all things completely fall apart, we have Caleb Jones that we can bring up. We have tackles. Um, Leatherwood is no longer in Las Vegas because he doesn't play very well. And, and the assumption by 
um, Bears fans at first was that he's going to be a guard because he's just not doing a very good job as a tackle, right? He's a big, strong guy like Tevin Jenkins, so let's kick him inside. Maybe he could take white hairs because Bears fans hate white hair. I mean, they, they apparently, every time I see something, it's like, oh, good, get rid of white hair, which surprises me because it's one of the few areas on the Bears roster where I'm like, I think you guys are being a little too harsh. He, he's certainly a letdown. He's certainly underwhelmed based on his draft stock and everything, especially what he did as a rookie, which was like the number one center in football. And then all of a sudden it's like, nah, but I don't feel like being good anymore. And that sucks. And I can understand that being frustrating. But um, anyways, sounds like they're playing him at tackle, which isn't surprising to me. I think it's surprising to a lot of Bears fans because they love Larry Borum. And I don't even know who won the left tackle job, if that's Riley Reef or whoever, but they don't like it. They have like a uh, second year, fifth round pick and a rookie fifth round pick or something weird that are your starting left and right tackles. I don't think they feel super comfortable with that. And that, that's why they brought in Riley Reef. That's why they went out and, and brought in Alex Leatherwood. They're pretty desperate at trying to figure out. They brought in Schofield, who they ended up cutting because I, I guess Tevin was just better, which I think is hilarious. I just looked at Tevin on tomorrow's podcast, and I don't see him as a great fit. Strong, Mauler, I get it. But this is going to be your outside zone slash wide zone. I already forgot the difference between the two, but it doesn't matter to me. Point is, you need not athletic you need athletic offensive lineman. He's not the guy. But no, I don't think we should have brought him in. We'll see if he actually wins a job. And if he does, I think it's great. Again, the Raiders cut him, not because they can't afford him, but because the new regime came in, looked at him as a draft prospect and said, this guy sucks. I don't care if you're a first round pick, you suck at football. So we don't want you. So he got cut and the Bears are like, we'll take him. Same reason they picked up uh, Amir Smith-Marset from the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings very possibly were going to try to bring him back on the practice squad and he got stolen. But the point is, the Vikings did not want him on the 53. They waived him. And the Bears are like, oh, oh, we absolutely need that guy for sure. For sure. And honestly, if you're looking at Samori Ture and Rashid Walker and saying they're on the 53 to protect them from being stolen, we can just be honest and say it was the Bears the whole time because that's the team that would have taken them, <laughs> right? That's who it was going to be. Those two are either going to be uh, on our 53 or on the Bears 53. But anyways, uh, continue. Also, should the Packers go for maybe, I don't know, Tony Jefferson as safety, even though I saw they picked up somebody, Clark or something today as a safety. And then also maybe Devin Kennard at linebacker. And then if we really need a tight end, maybe OJ Howard again. Anyway, just curious about your thoughts. Thanks. Yeah, so there's a lot of big name guys floating around out there. I, I highlighted three safeties that I would love to have here in Green Bay. Um, I think the the general rule that seems to be the case is the Packers are higher on their guys than we are, right? We aren't <laughs> super like Dallin Levitt, for example. I, I don't have any affection for Dallin Levitt. Just like Sean Davis, I, I didn't really necessarily love the guy, but it, they are. And Gutekunst kind of talked about this a little bit as far as like. These are our guys. We put a ton of work into these guys, just from the even from the scouting standpoint. And then they're here for a reason. I mean, we put a massive amount of work into these guys and decided we want them here. And then we put a lot of work into them since they get here. And we get to watch them grow and learn and all this stuff. And so they're very high on their own guys. And they don't seem to be as high as many Packer fans, myself included, as far as just saying that guy would be a great person to bring in here. You know, the I forget his name. Was it Mackenzie Alexander? I can't remember, but it was a Minnesota Vikings safety 
He was a very good safety when he was a, a Viking and, and working with Jerry Gray in Minnesota, who is now in Green Bay, basically fell off a little bit after he left, uh, after Jerry Gray left. I think they both left Minnesota. I don't know. But that's when the fall off began. I think it was actually in Minnesota after Jerry Gray left and the Minnesota let him go somewhere else. And I thought that would be perfect, especially just as a pure safety. And what did they do? They went out and got a guy that was a, a gunner. In their mind, just an automatic plug and play special teamer. That's what they're looking for. So we're just not on the same page. You know, uh, me and you compared to Brian Gutekunst, I, I, I'm with you. I'd be like, hey, that guy is solid. You know, e- even as like a, a long shot, like OJ Howard, he's, he hasn't really been much in a while, but hey, we've seen what he can be. You know, and you do the whole, well, with Aaron Rodgers and, you know, the offensive system and blah, 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 maybe, who knows? Most Packer fans, that would be the route they'd be looking. Guys like that. I'd be looking at, you know, again, Mackenzie Alexander, if that's even, if I'm thinking of the right guy. Those are the things I'd be doing. The Packers aren't. They're, they they have their guys. They're content with their guys. And that's not to say they won't do something in the future, but 99.9% of the time when fans look and say, that makes sense, myself included, the Packers are not going to do that. In fact, I can't remember anybody outside of maybe Adrian Amos where I said, I want that guy, and they went and got him. Like, ever. Even just speculating and spitballing. You know, like, well, here's like 17 guys that they can go get. They will get somebody else. Anybody I say makes sense. You know, when we went and got edge rushers, I highlighted a million different edge rushers. You know who wasn't on my list of potential guys? Preston and Zadarius Smith. I never highlighted Razul Douglas. I never highlighted uh, Devondre Campbell, Christian Kirksey, uh, Jaron Reed. Never. I was planning on putting together a list of guys that made a lot of sense for us to pick up that ended up getting cut. I'm glad I didn't, because Rudy Ford would not have been on the list. He wouldn't have. So, I mean, yeah, we can spitball a couple different names. That makes sense. But it's just going to be a list of guys that the Packers don't want. And, and really, it's that the league doesn't want. I mean, they're floating out there for a reason. You know, we, we hold these guys in high esteem based on this reason or that reason. But, you know, they were let go by a team that had them in their grasp. And, and you know, every team has got guys on their 53 that are, I mean, subpar at best. And they still kept those guys over this guy, you know, Jefferson or whatever. And there's continuing to float out there, maybe. I don't know, maybe by, the t- by this time, Tony Jefferson's been picked up. He was. He was signed to a practice squad. So the Giants were able to sign him to a practice squad. Nobody put him on their 53. So, I mean, I, again, it tells you something. In our head, these guys are, are something, and, and there's something else there. You know, something's missing. Some, there's some other problems that exist um, that the NFL sees that we don't. So... In my mind, this is this is what it is. And any massive gaping holes that we see, the Packers either don't see it or um, don't really intend to take wild swings at, at fixing it at this point in the stage, at this stage in the point, you get it. So kind of just is what it is, I think. Which is fine, because what it is, is one of the best rosters in football. And I'm just excited to see it on the football field. So anyways, why don't we take a break right here? 608-501-0718, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you want to support the podcast. Also, I would encourage you to check out fertilegroundranch.org. It is my father's ministry that he is um, starting this year, helping people that are uh, massively in need, basically giving them a place to live and helping them to work with their hands and Most of all, it is a discipleship ministry, which is essentially training them, which is kind of an unusual thing. I know I'm not trying to put anything or anyone down, but generally speaking, if somebody's going through a hard time and they come to faith, they walk into a church and they're kind of like, all right, cool, what your job is to sit here and and 
you know, show up on Sunday and listen, and that's just what you do. And it's kind of like, well, what, what else do I do? And it can be somewhat of a challenge to slowly come along. And this is kind of a, I guess, Christian boot camp to, to get you up to speed fast and um, really emphasizing a transformed life, which is what many, well, everybody needs, but especially people in really down and out positions need to embrace a transformed life. So that is the mission. That's the agenda. And if you'd like to support that, you can find links to that uh, pinned to the top of my Twitter, as well as the uh, Packernet Podcast Facebook group. But we'll take a break and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Ryan, it's Craig from Indiana. Uh, sorry I wasn't clear on my last uh, question from a couple days ago about backup punters and kickers. Yes, my scenario was intended to be during a game they get hurt, who who pops in. But I do appreciate you uh, your attempt to answer that question. Um, my next question is, have we lost someone on our practice squad that went on to have a really pretty good career somewhere else? Um, similar to what we experienced with Russell Douglas, that we grabbed him and then, you know, obviously had a terrific year. I just wonder if uh, that's happened to us any time in the recent past. Thanks. Take care. Bye. So this would be a pretty massive undertaking, unless it's just in my memory bank somewhere, to get an answer to this. I'd have to go back every year and look at 
guys that got cut and then see where they're at in the league right now and what they're doing. But I, I, I think I know what you're getting at, and I, I'm fairly confident guessing and saying the answer is no. Now, again, these are, I'm not saying guys that were Packers that went somewhere and, and have succeeded. I mean, we know about Micah Hyde. We know Sam Shields. But as far as, let's say, you know, we wave Caleb Jones and he gets picked up and he goes out somewhere and he dominates. I, I don't know that that scenario exists. I mean, I'm just trying to think of ex-Packers that are even out there right now that are just crushing it. And here's the other thing. Somebody among the Packer fans would have found it. That's the other thing. Somebody would have noticed that. If there was a top 10 anything that was originally a Green Bay Packer that we waived, again, it's possible, but I have to believe that somebody would be throwing that in our face constantly, and I just don't think that exists. So assuming your point is people are freaking out about that for no reason, because even if we do waive somebody and they get picked up, there's almost a 0% chance that they're going to go on to be a prominent player anywhere. I'm comfortable taking your side in that and saying that's a good point. Doing a lot of assuming, but that's all I've got right now because, again, I'm not doing that much homework right now. But I'll tell you what, if anybody knows of someone, in fact, I'm positive we've had somebody that was waived that's gotten picked up that's been better than trash. So any examples that you have, feel free to give them to me. I know there was um, somebody that I was talking about recently. Shepard, was it? That he was here, he was a star, and then we ended up letting him go. And he did get picked up, but I, I just saw, I think he got put on a practice squad again. So he's not necessarily crushing it out there. But, you know, I'm sure somebody's doing it. Somebody that didn't make the Packers 53 that is at least playing somewhere. So if you got examples, send them to me and I will do a follow-up to Craig's uh, question here. Oh, yeah. This is Jared again. Sorry, I forgot. Jared. Two things on YouTube. So your name isn't Dur Trader? Is that, is that what you're saying? Sorry, dude. I mean, I, I can't change it at this point, but it's good to know your name is Jared. Sorry, go ahead. Two things on YouTube to check out. One is a video about Alan Lazard by Flimlow Raps. Really good. Get some good insight about his story, about how he was like a number one ranked receiver in Iowa. No, it's not a big state for wide receivers, but not bad. It's pretty and cool. Also, um, a video by Secret Base about the worst special teams unit ever which was not the Packers, actually. There was a unit that had, was so bad that it left a number one <laughs> offense and a number one defense out of the playoffs. Yikes. Crazy, right? Anyways, y'all, you have a good night. Goodbye. All right, there you go. I will forget in about five seconds, but at least I'll know somewhere out there I'll be able to find this again. But um, definitely go check those two things out. It is uh, Flumlow, I think, for Alan Lazard. And then um, Secret Base about the worst special teams unit you've ever seen, which was not the Packers. Appreciate it, dude. Hey, Tom Brady. Kenny hey. Rogers called. He thinks you jacked up your face. Anyways, Ryan, I wanted to uh, give props to Tom for being the top-rated offensive lineman for PFF grades this year in the preseason. Um, if it is indeed what you had theorized that he might be moved out to right, right tackle and then they bump Jenkins into guard. Uh, I can see why Jenkins would be upset about that. Um, the guy hasn't had a shot to do what you would think he would be best at. Um, but although the injury has held him back, uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, we don't want to have a disgruntled player on our hands in a contract year, so 
I hope they can work it out and, and get Jenkins where he wants to be and, and Tom where he plays best. So uh, we'll just see what happens. Have a good one, Ryan. Yeah, so it sounds like that's not the case. Um, I had kind of speculated that for a couple different reasons. I think the last time, especially on Packernet after dark, was uh, Clayton had called in and had a, a theory that I thought made a lot of sense as far as why is Jenkins why Jenkins maybe what's going on with Elton Jenkins and he didn't practice and whatnot. And it was more or less that he was upset about something. And I said, well, maybe they told him to play guard. They were a couple different things. Uh, the interview by Aaron Rodgers, as well as the uh, presser for Brian Gutekunst that had alluded to the fact that Elton Jenkins will be a tackle. Uh, he referred to Elton Jenkins, Brian Gutekunst did Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari as our two tackles. So there's that number one. And then Aaron Rodgers made some kind of a, a comment about the offensive line and how that's going to pan out and basically said, if Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari do end up playing, the only question mark is going to be who's playing right guard. So again, that was fun to theorize about. And again, I I, I like it because I, I just, for, for no real reason whatsoever, other than I have always liked Zach Tom and have never really been a huge Royce Newman fan. Um like the idea of having those five, but it doesn't matter. And it was always a massive long shot anyways, but no, it sounds like he's going to be playing tack. Now, again, we're not a hundred percent yet because if Elton Jenkins doesn't play, then somebody else has to fill in for him. And who knows what injuries or whatever things might be going on. Even if Elton Jenkins does come back, if Bakhtiari isn't back yet, then he plays left tackle and who's playing right tackle. Who's on first, whatever. Um, so I don't know. And again, the, the, the question is at right guard. So I can't 100% give up on, on Zach Tom getting the job. Obviously, Royce is probably probably the number one option there, followed closely by Jake Hansen. But they did give Zach Tom some, some reps at guard. They obviously like the guy. They're giving him, giving him opportunities. I don't think he has a chance to win it, but I wouldn't hate it if they maybe tried it out, see how she fits. But no, I think it's it's mostly I think it's mostly settled up, and I don't really see a path outside of injury for Zach Tom at this time because I think, in all honesty, he is like tackle five. So, which really we don't need Zach Tom on the fifty three either. But you know, whatever. Obviously, not going to wave the guy, and he does have that guard tackle versatility, which is awesome. So you know, he's tackle five, but he's also probably guard. What you got, Runyon. Newman, Hanson, and then Tom? Would he be... I mean, you got Elton in there too, but I don't know, again, based on the depth, how many guys have to get hurt before we move Elton Jenkins off and move him inside. I think he's ahead of Sean Ryan as a guard. So one, two, three. He's probably guard four, tackle five, something like that. I don't know. We'll see how she goes. The roster's going to just get churned upside down by the time this thing's all said and done. Hello. This is caller number five. Creep me out, man. You have one new question. By the way, voicemail is the worst thing in the world. I am so impatient with voicemail. It makes me insane. First of all, talk faster. Second of all, I don't need to hear any of this. I don't need to hear... If I dial into voicemail, all I want to hear is the voicemail. Everything's time-stamped. I can see when they freaking called me. I can see who called me. You have one new message. New message. And by the way, that's one sentence. We don't need two sentences. You have one new message from John. It doesn't need to be you have one new message. First saved message from 
And then half the time, it's the phone number, or 100%. I don't know if it ever even says the person's name. From 2467436493. Dude, what did they say? Saturday, July 7th at 4.53 p.m. Duration, 84 seconds. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you. I'm literally gonna murder a robot. Who wants to listen to this? How many people would, would be upset if, if it was like, hey, you got a voicemail, here it is. Excuse me, could you very slowly read me their phone number and when they called? On what day? And what time? And by the way, how long the message is? Who cares? Who cares? Worst thing ever. Do you have a meat bucket list? For example, I have Wagyu beef and a tomahawk steak on my bucket list. Thank you. Yeah, so those two would be on it for sure. Um, I've not had Wagyu. I I don't have high expectations for it, which is probably important because it really doesn't look very appealing to me. Um, The fact that you basically sear it and then eat the rest raw is kind of gross to me. I think there's entirely too much fat, which sounds ridiculous, but I mean, legitimately, it's it just seems like greasy something. I I don't know. I I can't imagine it would be like that's the best steak I've ever had. I think you got to open your mind up to it being just a completely different experience. But I could be wrong. I don't know. But certainly would like to try it sometime in my life. And then, yeah, definitely a tomahawk. I, I think that's more of a, uh, again, probably lower your expectations. It's more of a cool factor thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's going to be delicious. I'm, I'm, I'm nitpicking here, but I'm just saying, if you think this is going to be the best steak of your life, it's probably not. It looks freaking cool. That's why you do it. And it's going to taste delicious. But you got to just accept it for what it is, I think. Um, is there anything else on my meat bucket list? As far as cooking brisket, because it's still sitting in my freezer. Uh, I got to do that. As far as eating, what other kinds of... Let me Google it. This is worth Googling. I guess I should just find a top 100 list for meat, huh? Oh, there is a... Uh, what is that pork stuff called? Something pork. It's 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 like the... Uh, well, I'm sure it's on the list. A lot of this is just like breeds of cattle, and I don't care. I just want like cuts of beef. It's like Argentinian goat. Like, no, dude, that's not what I'm looking for here. I don't know. I'm... Uh cruising around here. I'm not seeing a ton. Uh, 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 it just came to me. The pork thing. Iberia, I think. Something like that. It's supposed to be like a fancy pork, I guess. Iberico. Iberico? I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot. I, it's just, I'm blanking right now. I can't think of it. But great question. Terrible answer. Yo, Ryan. Yo. I got three things for you. This is Jim from Arkansas. What up? Um, hey, first thing is Aaron number two is awesome. He spelled that out exactly right. I was on the opposite side of the field from him during the Yancey Thigden play. Well, that's cool. Uh, me and my friend were up on the top row on the opposite end zone. We ran down. We were at the front fence and saw that play happen right in front of us. The, wow. the scene was amazing. Uh, number two, Salsa Verde is made from vegetables. I'm not sure if you knew that or not. but uh, So is pizza sauce. Like it, it's made from vegetables. Maybe you like those vegetables. And uh, number three, I am very concerned about our special teams. Uh, they were terrible throughout the preseason. I don't see any improvement. Please make me feel better. Tell me something that's going to improve on the special teams during the season. 
I need it. All right. Wait. Yeah. I, I don't know how to tell you anything that I haven't already said. Um, I don't think it's going to be massively improved. That's, that's the first thing. I'm not expecting this to be a top 10, even necessarily top half, top 16 unit. But I do think people are overreacting to the preseason based on the performance of players that are no longer on the team. And that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, what we saw in the preseason was, you know what, let me, let me do this. Because I'm, I'm going in blind, I might be just completely wrong about this. But let's just do something real quick. All the, here are all the missed tackles in special teams, okay? Ty Summers, Jawan Winfrey, Micah Abernathy, Sean Davis, Tyler Goodson, Tipa, and Ray Wilborn. One of those players is on our special teams unit, on our 53-man roster. The rest are not. Tipa missed two, and that's not great. Only two guys missed two, Tipa and Ray Wilborn. I don't know exactly how prominent of a role Tipa is going to have, though, because, again, special teams is different. So we're all upset about how poorly the special teams unit ranked, but Ty Summers is gone. Jawan is gone. Micah is gone. Sean is gone. Tyler's gone. Ray is gone. All of the worst players, everybody that missed tackles, with the exception of one guy, who, by the way, didn't miss any tackles last year on special teams, but, you know, he actually had a 65 overall grade, one tackle, no missed tackles. He was actually pretty decent last year, but for some reason struggled in the preseason. Maybe he gets a prominent role. Maybe he doesn't, but that's the point. So we can be pessimistic and say, I don't think it's going to be massively turned around. That's fine. I don't think it's going to be massively turned around. But to attribute to our special teams unit, the failings of guys that got cut doesn't make any sense. And we have to stop doing that. I can't promise you it's going to be much better because it's still going to be a lot of the same guys. But how real bad it was, I don't think has as much to do with our... We haven't seen our special teams unit, flat out. On top of what I just told you, let me give you a couple more numbers. Guys who missed the most tackles last year on our special teams. Henry Black is gone. Oren Burks is gone. Isaac Yadam is gone. Malik Taylor is gone. Shamar Jean Charles is still there. Ty Summers is gone. Isaiah McDuffie. Equinemius is gone. Then you have Josiah, Amari, A.J. Dillon and Tyler Davis. All of those guys were there, but they're lesser missed tackles, I guess, and more opportunities probably. But the guys that missed the most tackles, for the most part, are gone. So they purged a lot of the guys that were bad last year. The guys that we saw in the preseason that were bad are gone. And how about guys, I know I'm just looking at tackles. There's also grades and everything else, but it's just something to highlight. Here are a couple guys that made an impact last year that we didn't see in the preseason. A.J. Dillon, Razul Douglas, T.J. Slayton, who was our second highest graded special teamer, Razul Douglas. Um, I don't. Know. I'm guessing we saw Garvin. I don't know. Yash, Tyler Lancaster, Dean Lowry. So, a lot of guys that were bad last year are gone. A lot of guys that were bad in the preseason are not on our roster. And then a lot of our contributors from last year we didn't actually see because that we didn't play our starters. So subtract a lot of the bad that we saw in preseason. Add in some of the good that we. Um, oh, by the way, we're missing um, a few other guys that didn't get a lot of opportunities that were very good on special teams that may get a more prominent role like Devondre Campbell, especially now that we have Quay on the team. And by the way, maybe Quay is going to be a good special teamer. Don't know. We added guys specifically for special teams. Well, let, let, let me finish who else we got here, possibly, if there's somebody else. Oh, Rashawn. I, I don't think he's going to get too much more of a prominent role, but there's another guy. Eric Stokes graded out fairly well. Darnell Savage. Royce Newman. 
Jake Han- well, I don't know if Royce or Jake did special teams in the preseason. Maybe they did. Kenny Clark played some special teams, graded out well. Preston, 13 snaps on special teams, graded out well. Elton Jenkins, these are guys that did a decent job but got almost no opportunities. They may get more of a prominent role. On top of that, guys that we added to the team that could potentially be good special teamers, Samore Ture, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, Sean Ryan, Zach Tom, Rashid Walker, Jonathan Ford, Devontae Wyatt, Kingsley and Agbar, Quay Walker, Tariq Carpenter, Jack Coco. Those are just the rookies that we picked up. Rudy Ford, who we just signed as a gunner, Dallin Levitt, Keyshawn Nixon. So again, I'm not going to try to promise you anything, but we, we have very limited information in terms of, of this year's special teams unit and how this is all going to come together. And yeah, it's probably going to be one of those things too, where considering this is a brand new unit with a brand new special teams guy, and these guys haven't done a ton of work together, maybe it's not great right out of the gate. And we, I don't think we have a super good special teams or, or a good return man necessarily, although I do think Amari seems to be improved. But even if week one, it's not the greatest thing in the world, I think there's a core of guys here that certainly should be improved over last year. So again, I I can't promise you anything because I don't know how this pile of guys is going to work out. What I can say is all the information we had about last year and even the preseason is mostly garbage. And that isn't to say just the guys that missed tackles were bad. Maybe there's some other guys that had issues. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Considering this is an emphasis, I don't think it's a surprise that a lot of those guys that I listed ended up not making the 53. So that's the best I can do. Hopefully to at least get you to step back off the ledge and and say, let's just see how this goes um, before we try to draw conclusions based on a couple big returns in the preseason. Anyways, one final caller here. What's going on, Blake's dad? What's up, Ryan? This is Blake's dad. What up? Um, Just had a question. Um, That's why I'm calling, obviously. People call because they have questions. Yeah, um, I get it. I've never heard of Rudy Ford. Me either. Um, I don't know anything about him. I'm kind of wondering why we weren't able to get somebody that people have actually heard of. Unless maybe I'm the one that has him. Who knows? But um, would have been nice to get like Anthony Harris. You know, he actually is a name that I know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I tried to look up Rudy Ford. There's not much to him. He started a couple games last year, I guess, but. Anthony Harris is the name I was trying to think of, though, not Mackenzie Alexander. So thank you for clearing that up. About it. I don't know if you looked at him or if it's just for special teams or what it is, but yeah, I'm a little confused by that. Um, do you know anything about him? Let me know. And thanks. Later. Yeah. So again, this, this goes into what I was saying before. We want studs, which the first problem with that is there really aren't any. Even guys that I really like, like Anthony Harris, if he was a stud, he wouldn't have got cut. And if he was a stud, and even if, you know, I'm sure Jerry Gray still exists and has a voice, and if he was like, dude, we got to get Anthony Harris because this is one of the best safeties in football and they just don't know how to use him, I'm sure Brian Gutekunst would have been all ears and he'd have been on the team by now. Um, by the way, did he get picked up? Because I don't want to get too into that and then find out we actually sign him. I don't see anything. Um, that's what we want, especially... And again, this is a, a flaw largely in the fan base overall. I don't mean you necessarily, but just it's it's a pattern that I've noticed. We like to complain about special teams, but we also get upset when we get people that are special teamers. You know, Rudy Ford is 
According to the Packers, anyways, everything that I want in Anthony Harris, the reason I wanted Anthony Harris, everything that he provides in my dreams about defense, Rudy Ford brings to us on special teams. They want that. Um, I don't know a ton about Rudy Ford, and I, I did look him up, and he doesn't grade out very well as a safety. He doesn't even grade out very well on special teams. Um, however, there is a missing piece that the Packers need, and they were stunned. And Gutekunst even said this, was shocked to find that they ended up releasing him and couldn't uh, jump on the opportunity to bring him in fast enough. And I think a lot of that goes to, if you look at what we have and what we don't have, I don't think we have a guy like him. And, and to, it's my understanding he runs in the four threes. He is just one of those guys like we used to have with Jeff Janis that, you know, he's not necessarily a great wide receiver, but he's got good speed. We always wanted him to be a good wide receiver, right? We didn't care enough that he was a good special teamer. We wanted him to put that, whatever, 4-4-2 speed, which back in the day, that seemed like a really fast thing. Wanted him to put that 4-4-2 speed to use on the football field as a receiver. He should be able to beat all the DBs and just run down the field and be a great deep threat, and he never really was. But man, he could absolutely kill it as a gunner. And basically, all he had to do was run really fast past the guys that are trying to stop you from running really fast past them, and then you just got the inside track, and you just go smother anyone that dares touch a football. And there are highlights. If you're just trying to get jacked up about him, as much as I usually don't like just highlight type stuff, go on Twitter, type in his name. There's Packer guys that are putting together compilations of him doing exactly that, just beating the guy down the sideline and just smothering um, guys. Again, I don't usually like that because for every great play, there's bound to be several bad plays, and we're just choosing not to look at any of those. Um, but I think with Ford, it's it's a lot of it is the upside. All right, if you look at his his special teams over the years, 2017, 50 overall grade, 2019, 37 overall grade, 2021, 47 overall grade. Why did I skip every other year? The in-between grades, 72, and then in 2020 with Philadelphia, 83 overall grade. Um, he is sporadic, but when he's on, he's really on. And if you just look at the statistics, you can see the grades follow the statistics very closely, and that's probably because there's not a lot to go on in special teams. Maybe PFF doesn't necessarily know how to evaluate it so much, so it's like, I don't know. I mean, if you go make a tackle, obviously that's awesome. If you miss a tackle, that sucks. Otherwise, I don't really know. But 2017, when they didn't have a very good grade, um, one penalty, three tackles, and that's it out of 168 attempts. So not terrible, but not great. The next year with Arizona, he spent two years with Arizona, two years with Philadelphia, and one year with Jacksonville. Second year with Arizona, two penalties, seven tackles, zero missed tackles. So lots of tackles, zero misses. The next year with Philadelphia, 37 overall grade, he had two tackles, four penalties, two tackles, one assist, and one missed tackle. So when you have only twice as many tackles as you have missed tackles, that kind of sucks, on top of four penalties. The next year, second year with Philadelphia, sounds like second year is his thing, his highest grade, 83.4, he had nine tackles, only one penalty, and one missed tackle. First year with Jacksonville, down again, 47 overall grade, two tackles, four missed tackles which is terrible. Jacksonville was stupid to release him because it sounds like he would have had his big breakout in his second year. Maybe we can capitalize on that second year thing. But that's the thing. Like When, when he's on, the guy is just an absolute menace. But if you, I, I tried to go back and say, okay, let, let me see him as a special teamer as far as the amount of tackles he made. I couldn't find him on the list because he only made two tackles. So he would be near the bottom of the list of special teamers. But if you look at 2020, he was tied for the ninth most tackles on special teams, which is not a terrible thing, right? Where Where's the highest in Green Bay? He was 31st. Oren Burks had seven along with uh, three missed tackles. So we haven't had a guy like Rudy Ford in a while, you know? 
just that that killer on the outside. And again, he's he's certainly not perfect. Again, the tackles three, seven, two, nine, two. And then his misses have come in bunches the last couple of years. He had zero, zero, one, one, and then four. So I don't know what's going on with the tackling, but Again, it's all upside for him. And and the fact of the matter is, I don't know that we have a guy on our roster that can necessarily do what he can do. At least not somebody we want to sacrifice. Maybe Stokes would be great at it. I don't know. But we're not going to put him out there as an every down gunner. So that's the point. And and I think they know that if you can hit on him, he could be one of the best special teamers in 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 the league. And so they wanted to bring him in and hopefully get that. And that's my hope. My hope is that we revive that sort of Jeff Janis type player. That guy that just, man, every time... You know, he, he's just down there all the time. So, yeah, you're right. He's nothing to really get excited about. And, and this is exactly what I said on a previous caller. We always want the, the guys that we've heard of, and we have always, and with all these options out there, why Rudy Ford? But I think we should start using that positively, similar, similar to the draft. You have all these guys available that we've been hearing about all these weeks and months and potentially years for some of these guys, and you go with this guy. Why would you do that? Quay Walker, do you know how many guys are available, including Devontae Wyatt, that you could have picked? And the answer to that question is, yes, I do, and we picked him anyways. And and in our brain, we should say, wow, that's really saying something about this guy. Same for Rudy Ford. They know the names. They know O.J. Howard is out there. They know Anthony Harris is out there. They're looking at Rudy Ford, and, and again, just listening to Brian Gutekunst and how he talked about it. The way he was like, I'm stunned they cut the guy. I'm shocked by that. They rever- Jacksonville obviously didn't. They revered him as one of the better special teamers in the NFL, and he was available, and they're like, holy crap, and picked the guy up and put him on the 53. Not, not stashed him on the practice squad like the other two guys we picked up. Put him on the 53. Congratulations. All these guys fighting to the death. Micah Abernathy couldn't make it on the 53. Rudy Ford did. He didn't spend a second in Green Bay, and he made it on the 53. So it's not to say they can't get it wrong, but we need to start looking at it from that perspective. They really think this guy is something special, and they are very excited about him. So let's give him the benefit of the doubt here. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have a great night, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.